Welcome, welcome. So glad you could make it again. Please make your way into the limb room and I'll pour us both a drink. Firstly, I would like to say a big thank you for all your support this year. It really means a lot, and without you listening to it, well, I wouldn't be making it. As you know, As Yet Unexplained is, or rather was, a six-part series, and unfortunately this is the last episode of this series. I have already told you the tale of the Highgate Vampire, the Charles Walton Witchcraft Murder, the Loveland Frogman, the UFO Encounter at Westall, but as it's midwinter, I figured we would commemorate this season by telling an old ghost story. This one, though, is unique. This story, unlike the ones recounted over the campfire, is true. This is Raynham Hall, a beautiful country mansion in the English country of Norfolk. It has been the Townsend family seat for over 400 years. The hall gave its name to the five estate villages known as the Raynhams, and it is said to be haunted by the famous Brown Lady. You see, way back in 1936, a photograph was taken. On September the 19th, 1936, Country Life magazine had sent two photographers to Raynham Hall for a feature that was to appear within the pages of the illustrious publication. London-based photographer Captain Hubert C. Provand and his assistant Indri Shearer were photographing the establishment. The two gentlemen were in the hallway, photographing the grand main staircase, when Provan's aide, Shira, observed a foggy figure slowly approaching down the steps, its spectral shape flowing and cascading as it moved. The vapory shape was gradually taking the semblance of a lady. Provand was advised by Shearer to unscrew the lens cap, which he did right away. Shearer then triggered the camera's flash, producing the image that has become famous ever since it was first published in the December issue of Country Life that year. Provand took the photograph, despite the fact that he had seen nothing either with his own eyes or through the camera, when he lined up the shot. He believed that what Shearer had seen was purely a figment of his own imagination, and even if there was something there, beyond the perception of Provand, he was convinced that nothing would show up when the negative was developed. Later, in the photographer's studio, the captain would be left astonished, as he would see something on the staircase negative when they were processing the pictures. Indra Shearer left the room and dashed downstairs to their photography studio's chemist and returned with gentleman Benjamin Jones so that he could testify that the negative had not been tampered with 
A number of specialists then inspected the photograph and concluded that it had not been tampered with in any manner. On December the 26th, 1936, Country Life magazine published Pravand and Shearer's description of their entire encounter at Raynham Hall, along with a photograph of the supposed brown lady. The image, as well as the story behind it, was published in Life magazine as well on January the 4th, 1937. Many experts the world over thought that the photograph was the world's most convincing ghost image and has been dubbed the Brown Lady of Raynham Hall. The photograph has been the foundation of innumerable supernatural claims throughout the years and has been used to illustrate many articles on both television and in print regarding ghosts and hauntings. The image even piqued the interest of famed ghost hunter and paranormal investigator and entertainer, Harry Price. Price interviewed Provand and Shearer shortly afterwards and said, I will admit that I was immediately fascinated. Mr. Indre Shearer observed the ghost descending the stairs at the exact moment Captain Provand's head was under the black cloth, according to the narrative. With a cry, the cap came off, and the flashbulb went off, producing the results we see now. I could not get their narrative out of my head, and I had no reason to doubt them. If the ghost is a hoax, only coordination between the two men would explain it. The negative is completely unaffected by any fabrication. As with all things of this nature, the photograph had its detractors. Some have claimed the apparition to be an intentional smudge of grease on the lens, whereas others claimed it was a clever double exposure of the statue of the Virgin Mary due to its cowled likeness. And still others believe the apparition was nothing more than a manipulated image of Shearer. But the country life photograph is only a small portion of the greater tale. We must first go back in the midst of time and learn of Lady Dorothy Walpole. In 17th century England, Colonel Robert Walpole, a British politician who served in the British Armed Forces, was regarded in high respect in the House of Commons whilst representing a borough. Colonel Walpole married Mary Burwell, the daughter of a nearby landowner, in 1671. The couple had 19 children together, and only 13 of them lived to maturity. Dorothy Walpole was born at Horton Hall, Norfolk, and was the 13th of their 13 children, and was the sister of Britain's first Prime Minister, Robert Walpole. Dorothy's tale has been told in a variety of ways, when Dorothy was 15 and Charles was 12 years older, her grandpa was appointed guardian of Charles Townsend, who was then 13 years old. When Dorothy was 15 and Charles was 27, he fell profoundly in love and wanted to marry her. 
Dorothy's father, however, refused to approve it because he feared he would be accused of wanting the town's in riches and land. Dorothy, according to one version of the events, did not share Charles's emotions and thought him disgusting and repellent. However, in the more romantic iteration of the narrative, she abandons her shattered heart for a life of parties and scandalous behaviour eventually becoming the lover of Lord Wharton, a well-known connoisseur of debauchery. As life tends to move on, Charles Townsend had married by this time, but his wife had passed away in roughly 1713, and he and Dorothy were finally reunited. But things were to take a sinister turn as the marriage became miserable after a while. And whatever prompted Charles's change of heart towards Dorothy also prompted him to savagely take away her children and place them in the care of his own mother. Some have said that it was when he found out that his wife had committed adultery with Lord Wharton and or extravagant spending was when he decided to take action against her. He in turn confined her to her quarters at Raynham Hall. Totally enraged by envy, he informed every one of their friends and relatives that she had tragically died, when in fact she was still being held captive at least until she was 40 years old. Ah, according to legend, Dorothy was starved to death, while another claimed she was killed after falling or being pushed down the grand staircase. However, the cause of her death was eventually revealed to be smallpox in a contemporaneous notification on March the 29th. However, her cause of death was never fully determined, and the scrutinies that are undertaken nowadays at the proclamations of someone's passing were not as stringent. Lucia Stone was an invited guest at a large party in Raynham, and she described one of the brown lady's first appearances in 1835 within the pages of her book, Rifts in the Vale. During the party at Raynham in the Christmas of 1835, Lord Charles Townsend had invited numerous visitors for the Christmas celebrations, including a Colonel Loftus. Loftus and another visitor, a gentleman called Hawkins, claimed to have spotted the brown lady as they approached their lodgings one night, remarking on her antiquated brown attire. Loftus claimed to have seen the brown lady again the next evening, later claiming that he was captivated by the spectre's dark, vacant eye sockets, which were black in a luminous face. As a result of Loftus's sightings, some Raynham Hall employees were forced to leave permanently. Now, where's that book? Ah. Lucia actually would write The Haunting at Raynham, Norfolk, 
the seat of the Townsend family, had been mentioned in one or two spiritual publications, but in a passing manner without any details. I think that many may be interested by an account of it, which I received from an eyewitness. All the names are given. The time was about 1835 or 40. I am unable to fix the date more exactly. A large party had assembled at Raynham for Christmas. Lord and Lady Charles Townsend were the host and hostess. Among the guests were Colonel and Miss Loftus, and Miss Page, a cousin of hers. Colonel Loftus was a brother of Lady Charles, and cousin to Lord Charles, consequently at Townsend on his mother's side. There was a family tradition that at special times the apparition of Lady dressed in brown brocade had been, but nothing had occurred for a long time, and the stories were well nigh forgotten. One night, Colonel Loftus and a gentleman named Hawkins sat up rather late over a game of chess. They went upstairs and were bidding each other good night, when Mr. Hawkins exclaimed Loftus, Who was that standing at your sister's door? How strangely she's dressed. Colonel Loftus, who was near-sighted, put on his glass and followed the figure, which went on for some little distance, when he lost sight of it. A second night she appeared to him, and this time, to prevent her escape, he went up a staircase, which would bring him face to face with her. There, in a full light, she stood, a stately lady in her rich brocade, clearly defined, but where there should have been eyes, dark hollows. These were the two appearances he described to me, and he sketched her afterwards. I saw the sketch just after his return from Raynham. The lady was seen by several others, and I have heard the stories, but not from their own lips, so I forbear to give them. But perhaps I should mention that the cousin of Miss Loftus, Miss Page, whom I knew very intimately, asked Lord Charles if he too believed in the apparition. He replied, cannot but believe, for she ushered me into my room last night. The servants were frightened and gave warning, and Lord Charles, thinking after all it might be a trick, made alterations in the house in the way of bolts and locks, and had down from London some of the police whom he put in his own livery. But they discovered nothing during their stay. After some time, the haunting ceased. The next year, Captain Marriott, the famous author of Mr. Midshipman Easy and friend of Charles Dickens, visited Raynham Hall. The captain sneered at the very idea of ghosts and insisted on sleeping in the haunted chamber, which included a painting of the brown lady within. Marriott insisted on spending the night in Raynham Hall. By the way of evaluating his own theory that the haunting was caused by local smugglers who wanted to keep people out of the region. Florence Marriott wrote in 1891 about her father's experience with the brown lady. 
he took possession of the room in which the portrait of the apparition hung, and in which she had been often seen, and slept each night with a loaded revolver under his pillow. For two days, however, he saw nothing, and a third was to be the limit of his stay. On the third night, however, two young men, nephews of the baronet, knocked at his door as he was undressing to go to bed, and asked him to step over to their room, which was at the other end of the corridor, and give them his opinion on a new gun just arrived from London. My father was in his shirt and trousers, but as the hour was late and everybody had retired to rest except themselves, he prepared to accompany them as he was. As they were leaving the room, he caught up his revolver. In case you meet the brown lady, he said laughing. When the inspection of the gun was over, the young men in the same spirit declared that they would accompany my father back again. In case you meet the brown lady, they repeated, laughing also. The three gentlemen therefore returned in company. The corridors of the building were not illuminated and were built in a style typical of their age. For example, all the bedroom doors of the corridor faced each other and as the small group of people neared the centre of the corridor, they began to notice the distinct soft glimmer of a lantern approaching them from the opposite end. One of the women is heading to the nunnery, was the deduction from one of the town's ends. Due to the fact that Marriott was not appropriately dressed, he decided that he should slip behind one of the exterior doors, and his companions followed suit to hide until the lady had passed by. Anxiously, Marriott watched through the gap of the door for the figure to slowly come into view. When the woman finally came into sight, a cold chill travelled down Marriott's spine as he realised that he recognised her. When the figure got close enough for Marriott to clearly see, he could draw parallels with this woman's colours and style of attire. He had his finger on the trigger of his handgun and was about to shout out and order it to come to a halt and explain why it was there, when all of a sudden the figure came to a halt in front of the door he was behind. The woman turned her head and grinned at him in a cruel and satanic fashion holding the lighted lamp to her features. There was no mistaking their intent. This act so infuriated my father, who was anything but lamb-like in disposition, that he sprang into the corridor with a bound and discharged the revolver right in her face. The figure instantly disappeared. The figure at which for several minutes three men had been looking together. And the bullet passed through the outer door of the room on the opposite side of the corridor and lodged in the panel of the inner one. My father never attempted again to interfere with the brown lady of Raynham. 
the brown lady was once again sighted in 1926 when Lady Townsend's son and a friend claimed to have seen the ghost on the stairs, matching the ghostly form to the painting of Lady Dorothy Walpole that hung in the haunted chamber at the time. Sightings of the brown lady have decreased since Marriott's meeting with her. Another story of the Dowager Marchioness. John Sixth Marquess Townsend inherited a bankrupt estate in 1899, forcing him to sell the family art collection, rent out the hall and find a wealthy wife, which he did in August 1905, marrying Miss Southhurst, the daughter of a prominent barrister. The Townsend family did not return to their seat until after the Marquess's death in 1921, and the Dowager Marchioness embarked on the difficult job of repairing Raynham. She was undoubtedly regaled from the outset with tales of the former head of the house. With these colourful stories in hand, the Dowager Marchioness had an unconventional plan to help Raynham reclaim its reputation. She would create a book about haunted homes in which her own home would take centre stage. Raynham was the first story in True Ghost Stories, 1936, a collection of 32 ghost stories. It was more than a retelling of the Brown Lady mythology. It was also a reminder of Raynham's architectural magnificence and historical connections, including the first Duke of Monmouth, who is purported to be another ghostly resident. Within the pages of the book, Marchioness Townsend claimed that when her son George and one of his acquaintances were little, they encountered the strange enigmatic shape of a lady on the staircase who terrified and perplexed them since they could see the steps through her translucent body. It is also stated that in the 1920s, Sir Henry Tim Birkin stayed up late one night in an attempt to observe the brown lady, but despite his futile efforts, he saw nothing, although his dog did display indications of intense dread in the early hours. Charles II's son, the Duke of Monmouth, briefly resided at Raynham Hall with his royal father, it is said that he haunts the Monmouth Room. The Marchioness tells the story of a lovely debutante who insisted on sleeping within the Monmouth Room in the hopes that she would experience the charms of the deceased Duke. Unfortunately, it was not to be, despite the Duke's appetite for beautiful women. A few days later, the room was occupied by a spinster of undetermined age, who, according to her host, was doomed to a dreary existence devoid of passion. That night, however, the spinster awoke to find a dashing red cavalier standing at the foot of her bed, smiling in a very encouraging manner. <laughs> <laughs> he gave her a wonderful courtly bow as he walked away, leaving her with a cherished recollection of her dazzling visitor.
Marchioness Townsend writes that two ghost children, a phantom spaniel whose paws patter on the stairs, even if no physical manifestation occurs, are a few examples of the extended cast of haunted characters in Raynham Hall. Regarding the 1936 Country Life photograph, Shearer was accused of faking the photograph by using a method such as smearing grease or similar material, I've already spoken about that, on the lens in the likeness of a human figure, or even the possibility he created the image by walking down the stairs himself during a lengthy exposure time, according to some critics. Others argue that the image is a result of an unintentional double exposure, or even that light had entered the camera in some way, causing a washed-out layer of overexposure before the final shot of the staircase was overlaid. According to Joe Nickel, a sceptic paranormal investigator from the United States, a close analysis of the image reveals indications of double exposure. He is stated as saying there is a pale line above each stair tread, suggesting that one photograph has been overlaid over the other. A spot of reflected light on the top of the right-hand banister appears twice. The image was also considered to be a fabrication, a PR ploy for the Country Life magazine by American magician John Booth. The image, according to magician Booth, could be simply replicated using realistic means. Booth had magician Ron Wilson dressed in a bedsheet and descend the big staircase of Hollywood's Magic Castle. The fabricated ghost picture did in fact resemble the Raynham Hall photos. Other critics have stated that the ghostly lady's image is strikingly similar to that of a standard Virgin Mary statue found in any Catholic church, with a light patch covering the bottom one-third of the image resembling the inverted V-shape, being particularly telling as the outer garment drapes down on either side at an angle. The head is similarly veiled, and the hands appear to be joined in prayer, as well as the square or rectangle platform on which she stands. The belief goes further to state that the image is a straightforward superimposition, of the Lady Madonna statue onto an empty stairwell. Raynham, on the other hand, appears to be wary of its spooky reputation. Visitors are urged to examine the building's architectural marvels rather than the supernatural ones on the few days that it is available to the public. Despite the claims of the photograph being faked, this, in itself, is not the only reason Raynham Hall has its reputation. It is a reputation that has formed over 210 years prior to the photograph. Raynham Hall, in my opinion, is haunted by ghosts from the past. Occasionally in one room, the heavy chairs that are typically pushed up against the walls are discovered companionably clustered around a huge card table in the morning. And that's why I've brought you here. Listen, look, look! The chairs, they're moving. No, don't look at me, look at the chairs! 
I bet you're glad you're not spending the night. I am, unfortunately. You see, that's the maid knocking, checking to see if we're all right after all that commotion. Trouble is, I dismissed her yesterday. We are utterly alone here. And so, with that, I must say farewell. You'll find the exit on your right, through the kitchen, and thank you. Without each and every listener, as yet unexplained would not be possible. We will be returning next year with Series 5, and maybe a separate special series devoted to... Well, we'll keep that a surprise, yes? I wish you hope and happiness during this seasonal period. Now run! Get away from here! Save yourself! If you are listening to this message, then the subliminal frequency has successfully calibrated to your mind. Do not be alarmed. I am here to advise you to explore the Occultaria of Albion. The Occultaria of Albion is both a written series as well as a podcast. It explores various locations where paranormal and supernatural events have occurred. It is a broadcast on a forgotten frequency. Hauntings, Time slips, cryptids, cults, and more are investigated and examined. Enter a world designed by torch and moonlight. Go to occultariaofalbion.com or search Occultaria of Albion wherever you find your favorite podcasts. End transmission.